introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Rolls out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pins oh, it. To oh, look Williams! Touchdown! You've got to be And welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. Back once again, have the full crew here. And it's an exciting time. Happy days. Everybody's up and running. Got mics. It's going to be a great show. I can feel it already. And since I got some feedback last week on a podcast that you guys were not able to hear, I'm going to do better this week. I'm going to take that feedback. I'm going to apply that feedback. And we're going to go through this here. QB1, my man, how you doing? How you been? Good, man. You know, y'all know me, multitasking as usual, trying to get an article done while we're on the pod. So, so bear with me. Just just mute yourself while you're typing. <laughs> I'll definitely do a better <laughs> job of that. Yeah, just, just mute yourself while you're typing and we'll be all good. We'll be all good. Wide receiver, one miles. Did you find the cleats? What up? The team needs you. Have you found the cleats? Because they need you. They need Man, you. I don't, you'd have to give me like three months to get ready for that. I don't even know if that'd be enough. <laughs> that wouldn't be enough. I mean, time. you're going for 4 a.m. runs and everything. I mean, you can't be that far off. I mean, yeah, I'm that far off. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not eating, I'm not eating like that, though. Like, I mean, okay. I mean, Popeye's chicken sandwiches and stuff. Like, <laughs> Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And a man who is not eating Popeye's chicken sandwiches, Bruh. the man, the myth, the legend, QB... Uh, and he's the blackest one out of us, too. That's the craziest part. QB3? QB3. Saxy Prince. Yeah, man. Practice squad. Pr- Saxy Prince. Yeah, man. What's good, homie? Oh, I'm good. Uh, you know, been uh, putting in the paces at work. Had a 13-hour day today, so... Oh, boy. You sound a little tired, man. We'll, I, we'll, we'll try to get through this quick so you can uh, you can get to bed or something. Yeah, it's going to be... Sound run down, Saxy Prince. Yeah, man. QB3. Right, well, you can sit this next one out because we know you've been uh, you've been you've been doing the healthy thing here for a little bit. So, uh, Jr., I'm going to you here because you know there's been some stuff going on back and forth on all of social media, and it's very important things that we have to talk about here. We got to talk about this chicken. We got to talk about these sandwiches, and uh, I need your rankings, man. Where are you at? Chick Fil A versus Popeyes versus Wendy's. Who has the best chicken sandwich? Where are we at with it, man? You know, you I was always a Wendy's guy, but then I became a Chick-fil-A, you know, Avi guy. Then Popeye's came out of nowhere. And I have to say, their sandwich is the best right now. And I had it last week. Um, I stood in a long line to get one. I stood in the line for like 15 minutes, but it was well worth it, I must say. And the best comparison to make is that, you know, Chick-fil-A and Wendy's are like the, the old reliable girl at school. But there's a new girl on the block that looks good. And that's Popeye's. And I mean, she's, okay. she's the hot thing out right now. And it's really taking the country by storm. But the hype is really worth it. All right. I like it. I like it. And uh, so, Miles, I, I, so we hear that JR's initial rankings, he was going Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and then Popeye's came in, changed things up for him. Where where were you before, you know, Popeyes came into the game and where are you now? 
Yeah, so I was I was Chick Fil A, um, and then I, then I was Wendy's, um, but Popeyes that that chicken sandwich was that was fire. Like the the Chick Fil A one's really good. My issue with it, like I get the spicy chicken sandwich from uh, uh, Chick Fil A, which is good, but you ha- my my issue with Chick Fil A is it's all about the sauce, right? Like the chicken's good, but like it's kind of bland to me. Especially if you're getting the plain, the plain chicken, it needs the sauce. But like, and this Popeye's chicken sandwich has that has really good sauce too. But I think the chicken is better. I think the it was juicier, is a bigger cut of of chicken. Uh, I don't know the taste. It was legit. Like the the bun was good. The pickles added. Obviously, Chick Fil A has pickles to it too. But um, the, yeah, this chick, this uh, Popeye sandwich was it was legit. It probably ranks ab- it ranks above Chick Fil A for me now. So it'd be Popeye's, Chick Fil A, and Wendy's. Oof. Okay, Wendy's in last. I, I don't know. And I like Wendy's. I'm not even trying to. I'm not even trying to. Uh, so you you put like the regular Chick Fil A with like no spice or anything ahead of the spicy chicken for Wendy's? Oh no, 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 no. That's why. So that's we like why, we I'm compare about, spicy sandwiches all across the board. I'm just talking about spicy chicken, spicy chicken okay. sandwiches. Okay. Because uh, like 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 I said, the Chick Fil A regular chicken sandwich it has to have it literally has to have a sauce on it, otherwise it's not tasting good. Or it's just like plain, too okay. plain for me. That, that, yeah, that that works for me, Prince. I mean, I guess you haven't had the new sandwich, but like before, you were you know doing things the right way. Chick Fil A, Wendy's. Where were you at with it? Uh, I'd probably rank. I don't. I don't really eat Wendy's like ever, so I probably would put Chick Fil A above Wendy's. Uh, not to say that that's necessarily the right order, but <clears throat> it'd be the order that I'd give it. I I do like uh, Chick Fil A sandwich. I love dipping it in honey mustard. So I just think like what, what Miles was saying, it definitely when you mix it in with the sauce, um, adds so much more. I am excited to uh eat this Popeye's chicken sandwich. It's just it's gonna take me like a month or two before I can even get to it. So ask me again in like eight weeks. Bro, just just bite that bullet one day. Just one day. Go Man, get it. I've been so good. Don't do you can just do a couple extra do a little just bit extra time do- on the treadmill. You'll be good, man. And don't do fries and be straight. I'll use no treadmills here. I'm African. You don't use <laughs> okay, we'll do a couple other laps he, around the block. I he mean, wa- he walks everywhere. <laughs> well, Miles, uh, <laughs> since you're already talking, the next topic is really all for you. JR got mm-hmm. nothing to say Go about ahead. this. I Go got ahead, nothing to say about this. Y'all have the same stuff too. But, Miles, I need to know. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts on the state fair? Because my timeline, what is normally all Vikings, has been a lot of state fair stuff here of late, and uh, I feel like you got some strong opinions about it. So, uh, what what are you, what what is your take? How do you feel, feel about the state fair? I feel like you're gonna get me on an outtake. I'm gonna see on the timeline one of these days. I'm like, oh man, I forgot about that. Um, no, <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not like against the state fair. I, like I get it. It's they have you can go get a whole bunch of good food. Uh, you can go drink beer, ride rides, do that kind of stuff. So, like, I get the appeal to it. It's just not for me. Like, I've gone, I've gone a few times. A few things for me. I to me, it's too expensive. It it just takes too long, and there's just too many damn people. Like, you have to like literally shuttle to it, to and from it. Uh, you have to like park and ride and do all that just to get to it. And I'm just not about it. Like. Nah, like if someone wants to give me a ticket and give me a ride and drop me off and pick me up, maybe I'll go for a little bit just to get some some 
uh, some food, but like, I don't know. I, I, it's overrated for me. It really is. I just, it just really isn't. It's, it's hyped up too much for literally being the same thing all the time. Like I can go get a, what, what do they get? Like cookies, like the cookies are fine, but like I can go get milk and cookies anywhere. So I don't know. <laughs> I, like I don't know like, why I just heard you say milk and cookies in my head. Like it was that Bernie Mac. <laughs> <laughs> some milk yeah. and cookies <laughs> some milk and cookies <laughs> that's what it is baby shit I said where you going dude to get some milk and cookies that's how he said it I said I wanted him to say it again I said what to get some milk and cookies like it, and they're it's not, I'm not saying they're not good either but like people like will literally stand in line for like hours for some of this stuff that you can get at like a, a local bar it's fried food like you can get a lot of fried food a lot of places and i understand some of this stuff's creative and and all that and it looks good and it it tastes good but like man you could go deep fry an, an oreo anywhere like like i said to y'all earlier i i literally see people they take they use their paid time off from work to go to the state fair and i'm just like are you kidding me Miles, like is I, not, I, Miles is not about the state fair. Yinka? I'm not. Yeah. Very quickly. Same. State fair for you, not for I you. Mean, How you feeling about the state fair? Now, you know he's about to be nice about it, and he's about to play nice so that all, all his Minnesota friends don't get mad at him. <laughs> no, I, I like how I, you said I, that, Miles. I make, I make a... <laughs> um, <laughs> I try to make a yearly trip out to the state fair because I, I'm not. I don't actually really go for for the food. I more just go some for the atmosphere. But the state fair to me is like really. Bro, Prince, you're like going the, tomorrow, huh? No, no. I, I, I probably won't even be able to go until like the last day. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> these thirteen hour days are going to be killing me for the next two weeks. But um, I actually do go more for the atmosphere. Obviously, Martha's cookies. I heard um, they got an escape like, room now like, too. Oh, bro, you don't even know. I'm going tomorrow then. <laughs> Um, but it's like, for me, after I kind of walk around and like kind of the, the heat for like an hour and a half or two, two hours, I'm kind of done. So, and I only need to go one time. So it's, it's one of those things where you, like you do every year, but it's not something that like I spend the whole summer thinking like, man, I can't wait till the state fair gets here. It's kind of just like, yeah, I guess I'll go to the state fair. All right. That's fair. So I'm like halfway. I legit didn't know it was today until someone at my work was like, Oh, this ah, this day fair starts today. You know, like I'm taking Monday off. I'm like, no. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, the next thing that was in the notes was you know a deep dive into the Seahawks game. But given where we are in the week and when this is coming out, it feels a little bit late. And if you really, really, really want that, uh, you can go back to Pocket Protectors. We were breaking down the game as it was happening. You can go to Scolders. They went and broke down the whole game. And you can go to Good Morning Gallahorn. They also broke down the whole game. They gave their reactions from right after the game. So you have. You know, quite a few different places on the CTP network that you can go if you're looking for a deep dive into that game. What I want some takes on here is kind of the drama that came out really after that game, the backup quarterback situation, and folks getting really hyped up about Kyle Sloter versus Sean Mannion. Sean Mannion threw an interception. wasn't really his fault, but he threw an interception. So people were feeling like because Sloter's putting up great stats, uh, he should be the number two, even though the coaches don't seem to feel that way. So, JR, 
talking QBs, want you to come in first on this one here. Uh, when the coaches are saying that in spite of what Slaughter is doing on the field, they have concerns about what he's doing in practice or maybe that he's not putting people um, in the best positions to succeed or he's not checking out of things at the line of scrimmage or finding his hot reads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can you walk us through um, in simple terms what it is they're actually talking about? What is it that he's not doing that the coaches want to see him doing? Because for the fans kind of watching, myself included, it looks like he's balling out there. So what is it that we're missing that the coaches are seeing? Yeah, so the coaches are kind of like being really nice about this. And I've been in a similar situation before where the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on the team. And it only happens really when you have a controversy at your other backup quarterback position or you have a, a starter that is just not getting the job done. That's not to say Kirk hasn't got the job done, but one of the most popular guys on the team is always going to be the backup quarterback. For whatever reason, it just always happened. Unless you have an elite type of guy, the backup doesn't really matter until that guy ends up getting hurt. But for the Vikings' sake, after the whole Case Keenum ordeal, and of course what happened with Teddy, you're going to have the backup quarterback being a top 10 position that fans really scan uh, on the roster. So that's what's happening with Kyle Slaughter right now. He came in with a lot of hype. Uh, from the Denver Broncos, and he's, I mean, he's been a preseason All-American. That's the easiest way to put it, but we're only seeing what happens on game day, and he's playing against second, third, and fourth string guys, but the preparation before that, we don't really see what goes into that, and I know some guys aren't really practice players per se, but you really have to show to that coaching staff that you're able to prepare the right way, you're able to engineer and operate the offense in an efficient manner in order to go out and and gain those reps. And maybe that's why we haven't seen him with the second team thus far. They just don't have the confidence in him. And I believe there was a tweet that came out, or maybe Sloter even said this to where he forgets to bring some guys in motion from time to time. But little stuff like that adds up. And coaches don't forget things like that because that's showing that you're forgetting some of the little things. And, I mean, he's doing what he's supposed to do against third and fourth stringers. And, yes, I would like to see him go against those second string guys, but – the coaches are with this guy every minute of the day. They're seeing what's going on at TCO. They're in, with the, they're in it with him with the film room. They're on, on it with him in the practice field. So obviously they're not going to hold a personal grudge against him like some Vikings fans are thinking. There's something that's going on that's keeping them from putting him on the field with the second string team. And I mean, I fully trust them. And they're not going to come out and say it just because that's just that's just an in-house ordeal that they want to deal with. And, I mean, he has to go out and show that he can be perfect with the third team, not only on the preseason game day, but also in, pra in practice to show that he can operate the offense at an efficient level before he can gain or earn those second team reps. And he just hasn't been able to do that to this point. So, Miles, from the perspective of, you know, another position outside of quarterback, if the quarterback doesn't know the checks or isn't, you know, getting the protections right, uh, how does it affect the other positions on offense? Like as a wide receiver or an offensive lineman, how might Slaughter maybe not doing what he needs to do pre-snap affects everyone else out there and the coach's ability potentially to evaluate other guys based on what he might be messing up? Yeah, I mean, in my experience, it's really going to slow the entire offense down. Like, you know, most of the time you want to get a little bit up-tempo, especially once you break a huddle. Like if you're getting into a huddle, and your quarterback can't figure out, uh, just to for one, the play call, um, and then he gets to the line of scrimmage. If he, if he can't get to the play call, I mean, that's slowing everything down in the huddle is to start. 
uh, and the communication through that. And then two, getting to the line of scrimmage, obviously, like JR said, like if he can't make the correct line calls, the protection calls and, and um, pre-snap reads, it really slows everything else down so that um, like for a, a wide receiver, uh, if he doesn't know, like, cause a lot of times nowadays in, in today's NFL, a lot of receivers have a, a thing called option routes based off coverage. You run a certain route. So let's say, uh, let's say like we could talk about uh, the pick six from last week for the Vikings for, from Sean Mannion. Uh, Chad Beebe was ran, ran a, we, you'd call a crossing route. It's just a simple drag route across the field. Um, the, the rule of thumb, at least from what I was taught, was if you're going against man coverage, you want to run away from, run away from the coverage so you continue to, continue to run across the field. But if you see uh, zone coverage, you should sit in, the, in a soft zone somewhere because you don't, have, you don't have a man chasing you somewhere, so you can kind of settle down into a zone and find that free spot, that open area. Um, so that, that's the big thing for me is if your quarterback can't understand and read that kind of, those kind of things, it's really going to mess up uh, timing and opportunity for um, a receiver, a lineman, um, a lot of different players across the, the field because they're the ones that, that create everything else. So that's the, that's the biggest uh, thing that you'd run into is if your quarterback can't, can't fully f- understand or figure that out. And it really sounds like Sloter's had some issues with, uh, with some of that uh, pre-snap and post-snap uh, reads. Okay, that's fair. And and, and Prince, I'm going to go to you for a, a bit of a different angle on this this Kyle Sloter thing. Um, and I'm going to you because you have a, a unique perspective. You have a, a brother who played high-level football, played in college, and I'm sure there were times where things were going on that maybe you weren't happy about. Uh, but as far as I could see, you uh, you kept those things to yourself, maybe talked about it in the group chat. But I'm trying to get your perspective here. Is there ever a time where it makes sense for a family member to uh, to take to them Twitter streets to um, yeah to defend their you know professional athlete uh, relative from the media or you know to say the coaches don't know what they're doing or whatever it might be? What should that look like from your perspective? Because obviously Daryl Slaughter has been. Um, very active of late uh, with the with the retweets and responding to articles and different things like that. Like, what should that look like from your perspective, and what's the appropriate way to, uh, yeah, just to support your family when they're out there in the in the limelight in football? Yeah, um, that that's actually a really good question, Jason. Um, you know, I don't consider myself by any means a, a role model for how to handle this because there's a few times where, you know, I uh, Aid would definitely be. Um, I think performing well, or uh, at times have a shorter lease, and it, it, all I wanted to do was go on social media and just kind of whine and complain about it or whatever. Because like when you are attached to a player, you you want to see them do well, and you want other people to see, you know, all the like these guys work really really hard. So I I don't blame Slaughter's father for um, you know wanting to see the best for his son because I wanted to see the best for Cool Knight all the time. I know how hard he worked. I know what time he would go to bed. I know what time he would wake up. Um, I would know the hours that he would put into just being able to be a guy that they considered putting on the field, yet alone a guy that I know that should have been on the field. So I don't blame him in that aspect. There is something to be said about, you know, you're not going to change Coach's mind by ranting and raving on social media. That's never going to be, you know, it was never going to be where 
uh, PJ Fleck saw my tweet and all of a sudden, you know what? I really should consider playing his brother a little bit more. Or or Mike Zimmer seeing uh, Slaughter's dad tweet and being like, yeah, I should play Slaughter more. Um, which is why I think it's for the most part uh, fairly unnecessary. You know, you are you are within your right to at least speak your mind every so often. But I, I just don't ever. I never felt like it was worth it to get into arguments with people who would you know put down you know my brother and and in the situation uh slaughter's son being put down it it just doesn't serve any purpose if anything i think it hurts the player even more so because um they they deal with enough um scrutiny and criticism uh, on sometimes on national stages and stuff so um to have them I guess even be viewed in any sort of negative light is not something that I would want to support for any of my family members. So um, I I do think that uh, Slaughter's father, you know, maybe just needs to put the Twitter down, have those conversations with his son and his family. If you want. All right. Kind of keep it off the okay. Well, that was the last game. And that was the, I guess, quote unquote controversy that we've been dealing with. But I guess if you know, that's really all we have to deal with as, as, as controversies go. I think things are going pretty well off-season-wise, but uh, we have a game coming up here. And uh, JR, your man, Kyler Murray, coming in to play the Vikings. And, uh, yeah, I guess from what you've seen thus far, what are your thoughts? Is there anything we can take away from what we've seen of Kyler Murray? Because that offense does not look very good so far. What should we expect to see as the uh, the Cardinals come into town? And um, are you expecting to see any improvement out of Kyler Murray this week? Well, I thought he looked good against the Chargers a few weeks ago, but he didn't look good last week. Didn't get a lot of time to throw in the pocket. And, I mean, they've been saying that this isn't the real offense that we're going to see during the season. So, I'm not sure exactly what really to expect from this offense. I think they're going to keep it very vanilla like they have done so far. A lot of side-to-side passing, not much down-to-field throws just because he doesn't want to reveal. Kingsbury doesn't want to reveal exactly some of the concepts that he's going to run during week one and maybe some of the up-tempo that he's going to incorporate. And he's had some struggles with really adjusting his offense to the NFL and even little things like uh, transitioning with the clap and the fake clap there's been some some controversy about that. He, I know Kyler Murray got called for a false start uh, when he was trying to draw the defense off sides by doing the fake clap one time. So there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period uh, for that air raid offense, but it's just going to be something that they're going to have to continue to work through. But I thought Kyler looked great in his debut against the Chargers, but last week not so much. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how he responds against one of the fastest defenses in the league and exactly what Mike Zimmer wants to dial up against Kingsbury. So what are you going to be looking at? Um, again, just taking you back to Kyler, obviously knowing that you you studied him you know, quite a bit leading into the the draft. Like from your perspective, looking at uh, you know Kyler Murray, what is it that you're going to want to see from him just from an uh, evaluator standpoint going against a defense as good as the Vikings in this game? I think the top thing is poise and decision making. That's really the top two. And with how fast the Vikings defense is or the defense is, I want to see if he's able to decipher some of the looks that they're giving him. And I know Mike Zimmer isn't going to run a lot of exotic things, but I want to see if he's able to still decide, able to decipher some of the things that Mike Zimmer does throw at him. Maybe he's making some checks at the line of scrimmage or if he's throwing those hot reads really quickly when Mike Zimmer wants to bring some pressure, whether that's on third down or second and long uh, to get him in third and long situations or something like that. If he's able to remain poised, 
uh, when he's seeing Harrison Smith coming off the edge or J. Ron Curse or Anthony Barr coming up the middle and still delivering and fire some throws. So I'll be looking to see how poised he remains in the pocket and just how decisive he is with making decisions. All right, take me to the other side. What are you looking to see out of Kirk Cousins in this Vikings offense? I just want to see him beat up on, on one of the, the worst defenses in the league, and that's exactly what you're supposed to do against a team that doesn't have a whole bunch of talent on defense. And, I mean, they have Terrell Suggs, uh, they have Patrick Peterson, and they have some other guys, some other standout names on that defense. But overall, from top to bottom, I think the Vikings' skill positions are much better than what their secondary is. So I think they'll be fine. As far as them through the air, uh, I want to see this ground game get going, too. I don't think they've had a lot of success on the ground as far as the first unit. Uh, it seems like they've been doing a lot of outside zone runs, but there hasn't been, you know, a lot of explosive plays from what I've seen. Uh, all the explosive plays have really come from the second and third unit. So I want to see Alexander Madison maybe, you know, get a big run here and there or something, peel off a 20 or 25 yard gain, just something, just give us something in the running game department. But I think the passing game has looked decent for the most part overall. So just continuing that continuity in the passing game and hopefully getting some confidence in the running game, beating up against one of the worst fronts uh, throughout the league. Okay. And uh, Miles, these Cardinals, uh, we'll start with them first uh, coming into town Seems like they, uh, they they picked a few players there that, that you were a fan of going into the draft. Uh, who are the players that maybe getting a little bit deeper into the game on the Cardinals offense outside of Kyler Murray that you would uh, you'd be keeping an eye on? Yeah, we just talking rookies, Jason? Yeah, just, yeah, I mean, everyone knows Larry Fitzgerald. I'm not sure if you know that he used to be a ball boy right. for the Vikings. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we don't need to talk about him. But, yeah, some of the younger players that people might not be aware of. Yeah, I mean, I think people are very aware of him, but I think Christian Kirk's a – uh, an up-and-coming player in this league. He's young, but he's got that uh, dynamic ability to him that I think can really complement this this quick-hitting offense that uh, um, that they want to run. And I believe uh, I really liked their their aggressiveness to go out and get a whole bunch of different style of receivers in the draft. You know, they, they started with Andy Isabella in the second round. He's a short, shifty, uh, but really, really fast uh, wide receiver. Uh, probably, I think he was one of the fastest, if not, yeah, I think he was probably one of the top three fastest wide receivers in the class this year. Uh, they went out and got Hakeem Butler in the fourth round, big, big physical guy. Um, he's hurt now, but um, I think they they like his uh, ability. Uh, I think once they teach him up a little bit, I, I think they like his ability. And then uh, Keyshawn Johnson was another guy from Fresno State that uh, really good route runner, smooth, um, really uh, solid hands. Um, he's the kind of guy that, um, I think could could make an impact right away just because of his savviness and ability to uh, to win in his route running. Um, so those are those are some of the the wide receivers that I saw um, that I liked. Um, I'm I liked Hakeem Butler coming out of college. Um, obviously, there are some some flaws which uh, made him fall to the fourth round. Um, I believe um, Keyshawn Johnson is really that guy that I think could could make an impact right away. I worry a little bit Andy, about Andy Isabella just because. People keep trying to put him in the slot, but I think he's better suited to be like an off-ball Z receiver where he, he can try to win downfield a little bit more. Uh, but his, his ability in contested catches and such uh, isn't quite as, as good as you'd like like it to be, but I believe he could be a, a guy that they could use in space and uh, downfield. Okay. All right. With that matchup, because I know you liked a lot of these receivers and you liked them for a lot of different reasons. And one of the things we've been talking about a lot is the Vikings' depth in the secondary. 
a little frightening. So how is it that uh, you expect? Yeah, and that wide receiver. Yeah, that too. But how is it that you expect our <laughs> our, uh, our our corners to be able to match up with uh, these wide receivers, these young receivers from Car- from the Cardinals? Yeah, um, I, I think um, really it's. I mean, Ben. He's not young, but Benny Ben Wickery's a a guy that. Um, You'd like to see you play quite a bit of snaps this week. Um, we, I mean, we don't really have, I mean, you like Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd's been hurt, so it's really hard to kind of determine where he stands with the team right now. Holton Hill's going to be suspended for eight games. So it's kind of tough to uh, to fully understand where that's, uh, where that really young depth from the secondary is. Uh, from a safety perspective, like a guy like Marcus Epps, I think he can do a little bit of both. I'll play down in the box and and do all that, but uh, um, yeah, I I don't really know where to go with this take because there really isn't uh, there really in my opinion outside of Mike Hughes who's not ready to play yet, uh, there really isn't that young exciting uh, cornerback that I'm looking to see a matchup for. You'd like Holton Hill to continue to progress, but it's really hard to trust him right now just because obviously he's gonna miss half the season, um. But yeah, I I guess I'd key on that that matchup like a Holton Hill versus a um, Andy Isabella and Hakeem. Well, I think Hakeem Butler's gonna be out, but Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. I think keep an eye on that just to see how Holton Hill can match up against some of those guys. I th- I think that's a that's something to keep an eye on. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, Jared had to drop off. As you know, he has twins. Had to go handle that, and uh, well, you know the Saxy Prince. You know, as things tend to go with him on occasion. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he drew. He was riding through a, a cell phone dead spot. Some, but uh, yeah, we lost him for for a moment as well. We're gonna try to get him back, but uh, we're also gonna keep this thing moving along because you know Miles also has kids. He can't be up here all night just you know waiting for Yinka. So we are uh, we are gonna soldier on here, get Saxy Prince back in, and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up with just a little bit of NFL news. Boom, and we found him, and yeah, we're going to bring it on home. We got the Saxy Prince back in here, and we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the things that happened around the NFL real quick that we wanted to go through before we get up out of here now. So first, Saxy Prince, what were your thoughts when you saw that the Patriots look into uh, to send a first-round pick to the Redskins to uh, to get Trent Williams? Well, I just feel like... This is why I think the Patriots stay ahead of the game so much, just because, you know, they, they do have a really nice stud tackle in Isaiah Wynn, and knowing that he is going to be maybe not at 100%, you know, they're obviously looking to continue to bolster their um, their offensive line. And with Brady just being older, he's obviously going to be a little bit less mobile. So, you know, providing more weapons at that position just continues to allow them to... Um, stay competitive and i think that i we see it with the uh, the eagles and being able to be a step ahead and and i just wish the vikings were kind of this savvy they were kind of ahead of of the game in this respect now granted one can one can argue it's partially because they have a franchise quarterback that they feel a little bit more um they feel a little bit more confident in being able to make moves like this but, I mean, Jason, you have mentioned time and time again, like regardless of what your quarterback position, you should still always be trying to put your team in the best possible position, and that means taking risks. So um, I, thought it was, I thought it was great 
uh, move for the Vikings. And you know, if 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 we didn't just, I guess, well, not even even so. I wish the Vikings would make moves like this. You know. Okay, Miles. Did this? Did this? Did these talks? Because there's multiple reports now. There's reports they traded. They tried to trade for him. Reports they didn't. Uh, obviously, and then you know, who knows what actually happened? I guess there was some smoke there. But Miles, what were your thoughts when you saw that the Patriots were were swinging big with the with the Trent Williams potential potential trade? Yeah, I mean, it really it really sounded like it was one of those uh, Patriots are making another great move, like a Trent. Like this is obviously a better move than the Trent Brown one they made last year. It would be uh, because you're getting a Hall of Fame caliber player, um, but. I mean, they, like like Yinka said, these are exa- these are exact type of moves that I wish the Vikings would be more willing to make. Like, it really feels like they're really committed to a guy like Riley Reef, and it's kind of disappointing because, yeah, he's a hardworking player. He might be good in the locker room. That seems like they, you know, obviously he's been a captain the two years he's been on the team, um, but his talent hasn't lived up to, I I believe where they where they wish he where it did for like the kind of person he is and the kind of player he acts as um, really feels like they should be trying to do more to upgrade that position. Uh, I think Reef's a, a fine left tackle, I guess if that's, that's like being generous. But I mean, if you can go out and try to get a, get a, uh, a surefire, you know, all pro pro bowl caliber left tackle. I don't, I don't know why they haven't, why you're not trying to make that call. I know the money situation make it really tough to get that to work, but um, I mean, they could find ways to, to maneuver the cap a little bit to, to make this sort of move work, but obviously they'd have to move a guy like Riley Reef in, in a trade like this. But like Yinka said, I really just do wish that they'd be a little bit more aggressive in a move like this. Like we've seen them do it desperately for like a in when making moves for a quarterback. We've seen them desperately do it just when they get into desperate situations. But sometimes I'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive when they don't have to be desperate. You know what I mean? Like we've I've talked a lot about this, but my issue around the Vikings in general, especially on the offense, is has it has been how they they don't make moves on the offensive side of the ball ahead of time. They're not trying to um, shore up a, a depth at wide receiver a year ahead. They're not. Uh, they're waiting. You know, they're they're waiting until it's a need um, to make to make some of these moves rather than doing it a year ahead or so. So I'd really like to see them uh, like they didn't. They weren't able to get at least as of right now. Um, an offensive tackle of the future to go with Brian O'Neill. Obviously, we like Ole Udo as a developmental guy, and it looks like he's done pretty well for himself um, a little earlier than I think he expected. But, I mean, we don't – you can't go into – it's hard to go into 2019 with Riley Rufres as your left tackle, but there's no way they could do it going into 2020. Um, and right now, there's no, really no plan in place for that. So, um, I'd just like to see some aggressiveness to shore up a, an important – position like left tackle okay so uh bring us home here real quick miles you get to give me a a quick reaction on on the first one prince i want a, a quick reaction from you on the second miles josh doxson on the trade block what are your thoughts i mean i think he's a better player than laquan treadwell i think he has a higher ceiling and more more ability um if i was a team who was looking to add some depth and talent to my wide receiver core, I'd probably look to throw a, a conditional seventh to Washington to to get Josh Doxson because I believe he can help a team. 
Okay, and Saxy Prince, uh, Jalen Smith. When, when, he's, when he's healthy. I mean, if he's healthy, I don't that's even That's a given. That's a given. You don't even have to put that. Right. That's, that's a given. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and uh, Saxy Prince, Jalen Smith, not Zeke Elliott, not Dak, not Amari. Jalen Smith, new big contract from the Cowboys. What were your thoughts? Well, I, I think we all love Jalen Smith um, you know, coming out of college and whatnot. I think we all thought he was going to be an explosive player. The biggest thing that we were worried about was obviously the nerve damage and the uh, the injury situation. Um, but we kind of knew that he was he was going to be a fantastic player. So I think I'm I'm definitely a proponent of the the Cowboys investing in that area just because you know they they have had some weaknesses there. They did lose um, Damian Wilson to free agency. They um, you know Sean Lee has kind of been banged up for the last couple of years. So. They need to have some stability there, especially with a guy that is expo- as explosive as Jalen Smith. So I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of it. Well, boom. There it is. We made it through another one. Listeners, as always, thank you for sticking with us. Gentlemen, thank you for coming on and recording. And uh, that is it. That is all. Uh, over this weekend, we will have a couple of pods from the Scolders coming out. And uh, then we'll be back with our regular scheduled programming next week with... Uh, Myself, Eric, Nick, and uh, the Pocket Protectors. So uh, that's it. If you like what we're doing, tell one person, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.